Good afternoon and welcome to the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council uh, program with our guest speakers, Dr. Aaron C. Johnson, Hannah Gorslein, Grace Nelson, and Ali Zucker. We thank each of them and to everyone who has joined us online today. I'm Bill Reisinger, Professor of Political Science at the University of Iowa and a member of the ICFRC's board and chair of its program committee. I'll be hosting today's event. I'd like to begin by acknowledging and thanking our annual donors, sponsors, and partners for their support. In particular, the Iowa Arts Council through the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, Humanities Iowa, and the National Endowment for the Humanities, the University of Iowa's International Programs, Honors Program, Public Policy Center, and Center for Human Rights, the Stanley UI Foundation Support Organization, Midwest One Bank, and City Channel 4 for providing online access to all of ICFRC's programs, along with the UI Library Archives. ICFRC has adopted the Native American Land Acknowledgement prepared for the City of Iowa City's Ad Hoc Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the Human Rights Commission. We recognize that our home community of Iowa City is now occupies the homelands of Native American nations to whom we owe our commitment and dedication. The full text of our acknowledgement is on our website at icfrc.org. As we get started, I would like to cover some Zoom etiquette tips. This is the time to make sure you know where your video and audio mute and unmute buttons are. Please keep your audio and video turned off for the duration of the presentation so you do not interrupt the speaker, speakers during their remarks. Following our speakers' presentations at about 12.45 p.m., we will have a 15-minute Q&A you will be able to submit your questions via the chat function. At that time, we invite you to turn on your video, but please keep your audio muted to avoid any background noise. It's now my pleasure to introduce our speakers who will be talking about gaining international experiences when study abroad is not available. Dr. Aaron C. Johnson is an Associate Professor of Instruction at the Tippie College, College of Business at the University of Iowa. Dr. Johnson teaches courses on negotiation, leadership, and international business. She has a long-standing interest in global business and cross-cultural uh, collaborations and has partnered with universities in Poland, China, and Kosovo to create global virtual collaborations for her students in the context of their coursework. Most recently, students in her international business environment course participated in global virtual teams with students at the University of Business and Technology in Pristina, Kosovo. Professor Johnson plans to continue this collaboration this semester and is hoping to travel to Kosovo to meet her colleagues later this year. Dr. Johnson is joined by three of her students. Hannah Gorslein is a senior at the University of Iowa studying marketing with a minor in rhetoric and an international business certificate. She's involved in various student organizations on campus, including Delta Sigma Pi, the Professional Business Fraternity, Women in Business, and the Marketing, Marketing Institute. She also serves as a senator within the Tippie College's Student Senate. Ali Zucker is a marketing management major at the University of Iowa with a physical activity and nutrition science minor and is pursuing an international business certificate. She's also involved in such campus organizations as Women in Business, the American Marketing Association, and the Marketing Institute. Grace Nelson is a marketing sales major at the University of Iowa with a certificate in international business, uh, pursuing a certificate in international business and a minor in communications. She's involved in the American Marketing Association and represents the University of Iowa on its fundraising committee. Next summer, she will intern in Dublin, Ireland. 
So please join me in welcoming Dr. Aaron Johnson, Hannah Gorslein, Grace Nelson, and Ali Zucker. Thank you very much. We're really excited to be here. And um, let me try and share part of our presentation here with you. Fortunately, Catherine made us all co-hosts just in case I am unable to get things going here because my students are certainly more adept at the technology piece than I am, as I proved to them when we met to go over our presentation earlier today. So before I get started, I also want to thank some people at the University of Iowa who've been really instrumental in making the project that we're going to discuss today a success. Specifically, I'd like to thank Annie Sands, who's the director of IDEAL, which is the Iowa Digital Engagement and Learning Group here at the University of Iowa, and also Elena Dietz, who is a CETA, which is a student instructional technology assistant at the Office of Teaching, Learning, and Technology. And my students and I have been very, very fortunate to have them on board and providing insight, providing support uh, throughout the project that we'll be discussing today. I'm, I feel really fortunate to work at a place where as an instructor, you can say, hey, I have this idea to do this thing in my class. And you're met with the response that is essentially, yes, let's figure out how to do that. So I'm very appreciative of that. So what our plan is today is we're gonna provide a broad overview of a podcast project um, that my students worked on last semester and we're continuing in international business this semester. I wanna provide a broad overview of that project. I wanna provide a little bit of context about the course in which it's embedded, talk a little bit to you about the, how the project was structured, why we chose to do it the way that we did, and to my students. I have a group of students with me today who were enrolled in international business environment last semester, and they'll share their approach to the project some key takeaways, as well as some recorded segments from their final project. And then we'll certainly, uh, I'll be very, very excited to answer any questions that you might have. So to begin with, um, as Professor Reisinger mentioned at the beginning of the session, uh, this project is housed in a course called International Business Environment. And my students have heard me give this speech before, but this is a course that is near and dear to my heart. I have an undergraduate degree in business from the University of Iowa, and I took this course as an undergraduate student. And then when I was a graduate student in a doctoral program here at the University of Iowa, I also taught this course for the first time as a graduate student, and now feel very, very fortunate to be teaching it as um, a faculty member in the College of Business. Now, international business, or IBE, as I may refer to it throughout our discussion here, is an interesting class. It is an uh, upper level elective, it's housed in the College of Business, but it enrolls students from a variety of disciplines, primarily because it is a course that counts towards the International Business Certificate, which is an interdisciplinary certificate program that spans uh, the entire university. And I think that is one of the things that makes this course such a pleasure to teach, is that invariably in a given semester, I'll have students from every business discipline represented, but also potentially students from communication studies, international studies, political science, uh, students who are studying languages. And I think that one of the things that I always begin the semester telling my students is that the study of international business is inherently interdisciplinary. And so having students come to the class with such a variety of interests and backgrounds and essentially makes all of our discussions, everything we do in class, uh, certainly that much more rich and contextual as well. Now, of course, the course is a broad overview 
uh, course. And so we cover many different topics in our 16 weeks together. We cover everything from the environment, the external environment, to culture, to cross-cultural communications, to uh, motivation, leadership, et cetera. And I know many of you on the call perhaps teach courses that you know you could actually spend an entire semester talking about the intricacies of cross-cultural communication, for example. So we really uh, try and, and pack a lot into our 16 weeks together. And one of the things that I'd like to point out that really is the thread that runs through our entire semester is this concept of cultural intelligence, which is defined as you see here on the slide, a person's ability to function effectively in a variety of contexts, both internationally and domestically. And we begin the semester talking about this idea of cultural intelligence, talking about the four factors that comprise cultural intelligence. And we talk about that from the perspective of knowledge. You know, what understanding do we have about how cultures are similar and different? We talk about motivation, the extent to which we as individuals are interested, per, uh, able to persist and feel confident during cross-cultural or multicultural interactions. And then strategy is another component of this. You know, what sort of level of awareness do we bring to multicultural interactions and how cognizant are we of those as we enter into a situation? And then action, right? Our adaptability when relating and working in multicultural contexts. And so we, we begin the semester with sort of this frame and we talk about different ways in which we are able to gain cultural intelligence, um, demonstrate cultural intelligence as we move through our content through throughout the entire semester. And of course, I think implicit in this is the idea that, uh, or the belief, I suppose, that we students, faculty members, people in the world, always have the ability to improve our cultural intelligence, right? We always have the ability uh, to improve along those various dimensions. And so many of the things that we do are, are constantly linking back to that. And I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And so one of the things that has always been on top of my mind uh, since I started teaching this class is certainly the content that we cover is, well, I think, and I suspect since you guys are here on this call, uh, content that you all would find uh, interesting and engaging. But I really wanted my students to, to think about, you know, what kind of skills can they develop? And then how can they demonstrate those skills as they interact with our course content? And certainly over the years, I've exper experimented with a number of mechanisms um, by which students can engage with course content, analyze, synthesize, and then demonstrate their mastery of that content. You know, like many of you and many faculty members at the university, um, everything from case studies to um, short answer essays to long form essays, that type of thing. And somewhere along the line, I came across the idea, and perhaps this is simply because podcasts were becoming uh, more ubiquitous in my own life, a medium that I gravitate toward quite often, and it occurred to me that one way that students might be able to demonstrate their mastery of course content, as well as do it in a really applied fashion, is by creating a podcast. And the more I thought about it, the more I really liked this idea. As I mentioned, I've, I've graded many case studies, many analyses, where students submit those into ICON, which are, is our virtual Dropbox. They submit them to me, no one sees them but me. I give them feedback, uh, they see their feedback, and perhaps there's an exchange after that, but most likely not. 
And so I was really interested in the idea of having my students create something tangible, something that could exist beyond the borders of our classroom, something that could be easily shared. You know, when they go home for Thanksgiving and their grandma asks them, hey, what are you working on or what are you studying? Um, that they could have something that they could say, oh, you know, here's a project they work on in class. It's relatively short. Let's listen to it. So I really like the idea of um, having something that would just really uh, be able to be shared in that way and create conversations. And, and I should say, not just outside of class, but inside of class between students and between student groups as well. And so uh, as I started thinking about, you know, my goals for this particular project and, you know, the, um, the learning objectives that the College of Business values, I thought, you know, this is a really great way for students to demonstrate you know, their level of analysis, synthesis, creativity, collaborations, you know, all the things that the College of Business uh, and, and everyone, right, we're all interested in helping our students uh, gain these skills as they leave the university and go out into the workforce. So I really liked the idea that a podcast could help me, help me, help me do all of these things or give the students a platform to do all of these things. Now, of course, I can appreciate that um, many students have never made a podcast before have no idea how to get started. And so certainly I, I strongly, um, at the beginning of the semester, make a point to say, we have a lot of help in this process. As I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation here today, you know, we have IDEAL at our disposal. We have uh, the Office of Student Learning and Technology at our disposal. And if I were to show you my icon site, you would see that now we have built out a number of modules, a number of videos, that type of thing. And I never want students to feel like the technology piece is overwhelming um, sort of the content piece or the analysis piece. And so we also provide a lot of opportunities in class to workshop um, what we're doing. And so I'll share with you briefly the way, just very quickly, the way in which we've kind of structured this project. I also don't want students to feel like all of their eggs are in the podcast basket, right? I don't want them to feel like, oh, I have this big deliverable hanging over my head. And I never want that to feel overwhelming. So we step through the process week by week. And again, I have to, I have to thank Annie Sands at Ideal um, for, for really helping me think through, you know, what is sort of the best way to structure this project. So we begin with an outline, which is essentially a brainstorm where they say, okay, I know the question, the broad question that the class is asking. Here's what my group members and I think is going to be our approach. Here's who we might talk to. So really, I tell them this is a point where we're just getting things down on paper. I'm not going to hold you to this, but I want to make sure that you're thinking about it as early as, you know, week four or five in the semester. Then as we get some feedback from me and hopefully from other students in class, then they begin to narrow down who they might want to speak to uh, for their podcast. Who do they want to interview? And then also, what questions do they want to ask them? Then I ask them to actually submit the interview files after they've completed their interviews. And of course, at this time in class, we're also spending some time talking about, you know, what are the trade-offs if I want to interview someone using my iPhone versus using Zoom versus um, using one of the task cam recorders that students can check out from the university. So we talk along the way about what are some of the trade-offs about that. You know, perhaps you'd want to use the task cam recorder if you really want to produce something that's exceptionally high quality in terms of sound that you can then look on, you know, your resume or talk about in a job interview. 
Versus if you think, no, this is just something I'm going to share with friends and family. It's not something I may um, you know, share outside of that context. Then maybe recording audio on your iPhone is perhaps sufficient for your needs. All right, so we try to talk about some of those trade-offs. And then after you collect audio files, then we begin working on a script. And I would say one of the most challenging um, parts of the process is figuring out how to get from the audio files to the script, right? Because that's the point where um, the students really have to start kind of making sense of what they heard and start building their argument, right? Here's what I thought we were looking at. Now we did these interviews. Here's where I think we're going now. And really they have to figure out among themselves, you know, how are they gonna structure that podcast? How are they going to structure the narrative, right? To give their listeners a thorough understanding of the point that they're trying to make. So then they create their podcast, they do a lot of editing, um, and then last semester students presented their podcast to our entire class as an audience. Now, the question that my students looked at last semester was this, how can University of Iowa students develop cultural intelligence without studying abroad? This has actually been a topic that I have been interested in even since before COVID was on the scene. Um, I think that, you know, study abroad is one of those things that we often say, if I were to ask, you know, probably all of you on this call, um, many of us would agree, oh, yes, of course, study abroad is probably one of the best way, ways that students can gain cultural intelligence. I think for a lot of us, that's kind of our, our taken, taken for granted assumption. But I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons, COVID notwithstanding, why students are unable to study abroad, right? Perhaps it's prohibitive. Perhaps they have family obligations that keep them from going. Perhaps they're in a major that's so tightly sequenced. Of course, they're so tightly, really difficult to be gone for a semester or something like that. So this was a question that I had been interested in since before COVID, but having COVID come into play, I think made the question a lot more relevant to students as well, because many of them were eager for those experiences right? And, and weren't necessarily able to, to access them as readily as they would have liked. And I told my students at the beginning of the semester, you know, one of the, I think the most interesting things about this particular project is that all of you could perhaps select the same answer to this question. And UI students develop cultural intelligence without studying abroad. All of you could look at um, virtual study abroad options, for example. And yet we would still end up with, you know, 15 very different final products, right? Because you're going to interview different people. You're going to come to it with your own unique lens on this question based on your experience. You're going to edit it. You're going to put it together really differently. And so I think it was really interesting to see that we did have some instances where students or groups had looked at the exact same answer to this question, and yet their final products were very different. And so that certainly made the presentation piece, I think, uh, very engaging for students. So here I've listed just a couple of uh, examples of topics that students explored in their podcast last semester. Um, how can students make authentic connections with other students via student organizations, via classes that they're in? I had one student group look at um, RAs, which I thought was really interesting. They had both had family members who had been RAs previously at the University of Iowa. And just from listening to them talk anecdotally, thought, wow, this is a this is a role at the university where just by the nature of their job, 
those individuals essentially are having to kind of navigate the complexities of working with people very different with them on a daily basis. And not just working with them, but literally living in the same uh, you know, hallway in a dormitory as them. And so that was a really interesting um, connection and a really interesting application of our course material. Certainly we had groups look at the virtual study abroad options. And then we had, you know, for example, another group who looked at, well, you know, there's many opportunities on campus to attend events hosted by um, student orgs or cultural organizations, you know, and so they interviewed several people who had been involved in organizing those and asked them questions about, you know, what draws students to your event? What do you wish more students knew about your events? Um, and, and it was really, I think, interesting for people in the class to, to hear different perspectives and to hear different students sort of talk about um, their approach to this question. And so that's sort of a broad overview of the international business course, um, you know, who's in it, what our content is like, how we landed on the podcast project, how we structured the project, some of the different outcomes. And now I'd like to turn it over to a group of my students. I have Hannah, Grace, and Allie here with us today. And I would like perhaps to give them the opportunity to discuss their perspective on the topic. I think I told you as an instructor what I was hoping students would get out of it. And I think what they're going to do is, is talk to us a little bit about what they felt uh, they gained from the project. Um, and then they're going to share a little bit about the key takeaways from the podcast that they produced and play us some excerpts of their podcast along the way. And then we'll have some final takeaways and we'll open for questions. Thank you, Erin. So um, for me, I have never done a podcast project before. I've never made a podcast, but my group members and I, we believe that doing a podcast and presenting it in front of the class was more impactful um, because instead of writing down our interviewee, who was David, instead of writing down his responses and giving a presentation to our class, we thought this because the audience were able to hear his experience from him and not just have us like replay what he said. Um, you could hear the emotion in his voice in the podcast and then you can form an emotional relationship with him through it so you can relate to him. A podcast also allowed us to have authentic conversations with the audience and we could capture the emotional impact of the conversations we were having with each other. It's also impactful because you were able to hear real life pauses and emotion in our voices when we were interviewing David. And so in the next slide, you'll actually be able to hear clips from the podcast that will attest to this. So this is gonna be a little breakdown overview. We're gonna show you three different clips that are gonna navigate these three questions. Um, but before we show the first clip, I kind of just wanted to provide a brief overview about why we chose David Kim, who was our uh, interviewee. So David Kim is a student from South Korea um, that is within the Tippie College of Business. He is a third year student. Um, I knew him personally previous to uh, creating this podcast presentation because we both were elected on Tippy Senate uh, during the same semester. And throughout this podcast project, and we had these conversations about how we can gain cultural intelligence without studying abroad, um, we started to navigate similar conversations on Tippy Senate and what it was like for David to get involved on Tippy Senate, having been an international student and meeting uh, 50 signatures on a campus where he did not know many individuals. Um, 
And so this allowed us to invite David to speak and share some of his experiences and what it was like trying to get actively involved on campus. Um, and so I'm going to play our first clip that should address like what motivated him to get more involved on campus. Zach, what motivated you to join uh, more student organizations and get more involved when you came back to campus? Well, uh, when I went back to Korea and doing the military service, I kind of thought about like what I have achieved and what I gained from university in my freshman year. And all I could think of is if I just maintain what I did in the freshman year till when, until I graduate, I'll just be coming to University of Iowa just for degree. And I didn't want that. I really wanted to enjoy life in university and learn how like American culture is. So I decided to more actively engage. So a little backstory about this clip. Um, we were fortunate enough to have David return to the University of Iowa. So after he was a freshman, he went back to South Korea. He mentioned serving in the military. Um, and then he was he did come back, which isn't always the case when international students leave, um, having potentially not felt as supported as domestic students. Um, and then upon this reflection, he realized he really wanted to more actively engage and not just go to the University of Iowa uh, for a college education, but be more involved, which presented applying for Tiffy Senate and other student orgs. Um, we thought this was a really cool opportunity to be able to speak and engage with a student who left and actually returned, as I previously mentioned, is not always the case. Um, and so next is going to kind of address maybe some of those struggles that he faced when he decided to more actively engage on campus. So what were some of the struggles that you would say that you faced when you were starting to try to get involved on campus? Once I decided to more actively engage in campus, uh, the big, biggest barrier was I didn't really know how to process the small talks with people. And also I really didn't realize the importance of connection. I realized every time like I go to an organization, end of the meeting, uh, people are gathering up, building connections, but I really didn't know like the importance of that. And also, even if I wanted to engage in that, I didn't really know what to talk with them and like any topics to talk with them. Um, so just to provide a little bit of an overview of this clip. So from his response, we kind of realized that one of the biggest barriers was he wanted to join these student organizations and get involved, but knowing how to navigate some of the small talk and networking that naturally takes place in some of our student organizations before and after um, presented a challenge and was a bit uncomfortable having not really understanding the culture and what to participate in. Um, so that really made us kind of question in what ways are student organizations structured? Um, are they structured in a way that's accommodating to all students regardless of their background? Is there a way that we can create groups and incentivize networking um, that incorporates students who may not feel comfortable um, in these meetings? And um, just to show a little bit more background, uh, we both were elected on a Tippy Senate, but for David to get elected, he ended up recording a video audio of why he wanted to be a Senator and sending that out to professors and uh, email list to obtain those signatures just because it was harder for him to network. So he had to go above and beyond to actively engage in a student organization. So kind of understanding those struggles and barriers to entry um, when you look to get involved. And now we're gonna play one third clip and Ali's gonna talk through that after. Hannah, before you play it, um, 
I also just wanted to add that um, you'll hear a little bit about it in the clip, but um, we had asked him what had motivated him to start to join um, more student organizations because a lot of times international students don't have all like the high school preparation and their parents motivating them to get involved on campus. So he had a lot to say about his academic advisor, Joelle Brown, um, and she helped him a lot. So you'll hear a little bit about that in the clip as well. That were able to help you succeed academically and professionally? Although uh, I can't really speak for it, all of the international students, I personally had some great advice from my academic advisor. She was the one who recommended me to the TP Senate and all the organization that I am in. But I know that there are a lot of students that doesn't have the same advisor as I do and they're kind of struggling. And most of the students that doesn't have like great advisor or mentor in TP, they tend to rely on peers or like peer mentor. But a lot of international students are not getting that much resource. So one thing I would say that university could do better is treating international students as if we are first gen students, because a lot of cultures and a lot of things that we knew before coming to America are different here. So like we are starting from the blank sheet of page. So starting within the classroom, how can professors promote greater engagement between domestic and international students so they can gain more of a cultural awareness on campus? I think one method could be professor forming a group in the classroom, because a lot of time when professor just tells the class that to form a group, uh, personally, I feel like a lot of international students are left out and they just form a group with the people who are left out. I think it's a, just a natural instinct that a lot of people just try to form a group with the people they know or they feel comfortable with, but that is not how university should be aiming their educational goals. So I feel like professors should be assigning a group and through that, a lot of students in TP could interact with the international students and learn about their culture and also including international students in the classroom activities. So we think that that clip was very influential, um, especially for our overall goal of the podcast, um, because David talks about how he had an academic advisor who pushed him to get involved on um, and more things on campus, but not all international students have that resource. Um, so you'll hear a little bit more about that in our call to action on the next slide. But um, he also recommended starting from a blank sheet of paper um, with international students and maybe treating them as if they're first generation students, because in David's case and in the, in the case of many international students, they don't have um, a lot of outside resources to push them to get more involved um, and to integrate themselves into all of the other domestic students. Um, and professors can also help with that as well, um, rather than just letting students form their own groups, because as we all know, in, in most uh, business classes, there are group projects in every class. So um, professors can maybe uh, assign students into groups rather than um, letting students choose their own groups and potentially having people left out. So Aaron, if you want to go to the next slide.
So we kind of reflected upon some of these answers and the podcast is over uh, 11 minutes where we go more in depth with these answers. We just wanted to show you a few clips, but it kind of allowed us to reflect as students upon three areas that um, his words and insights really we think could be applied to, um, to create more effective and inclusive spaces for international students as the Tippie College of Business really pushes the importance of studying abroad. I was a student that was fortunate to study abroad before the pandemic and it was a great experience, but having these candid conversations with David and really connecting with him, um, I realized that we do not have to leave the University of Iowa to gain um, access to different backgrounds and groups and have such a cultural immersion. Um, and I wish I had known that more prior to being a senior in college and um, kind of taking strides within these three areas sooner. But as a result of this podcast and the conversations we had with David, we saw three areas where there can be improvements. So I touched on it prior, but within student organizations. So as a result of this podcast, and you'll see in the next slide, we worked on a survey within uh, Tippy Senate to distribute to academic advisors in Tippy for them to distribute to their international students to really gauge sentiment on how international students are feeling, if they're feeling included within the classroom, what resources they might feel are lacking. And then from an organizational standpoint, um, how are student organizations marketing to include all students? And how can we ease the anxiety of networking and form groups um, at introduction meetings to kind of create spaces that are more inclusive for all students that are looking to be a part of student orgs? So the next area that we think could use a little bit of improvement um, was in the classroom setting, as I kind of touched on before in the last slide. Um, we really want to call on professors to um, you know, understand that not all international students know everyone in their classes as domestic students might. Um, so really trying to encourage more inclusion with international students. Um, and as a group, we also kind of reflected on ourselves in this situation because um, Hannah and I actually went to the same high school. So I knew her prior and Grace is also from the same hometown as us and went to a different high school. So we even reflected on our own behavior in a group project as like, we didn't even look to other students that we didn't know before. Um, so yeah, we were reflecting on that as well as our call to action. Um, and then the last area of improvement would be on the administration side. So um, as Hannah kind of touched on in the student organiza organization, um, talking to academic advisors and maybe they could all, I'm, I'm not sure how other academic advisors are because my um, advisor is Joelle as well, but um, obviously Joelle has done a great job um, introducing all of these student organizations to David as an international student. Um, and so maybe um, all the ad other advisors could learn something from that, or there could be, you know, a head international student academic advisor that can implement that into all of the international students. And then kind of tying it up with future implications of this podcast, and we have touched on this briefly, but that survey that we're 
working on Antipi Senate that's going to hopefully be um, reviewed by the UPO, uh, the academic advisors, and the assistant dean of TIPI, um, really allowing us to learn more in depth about those barriers of international students, whether it's the process of networking, whether it's lack of awareness about some of the student organizations that are present within the TIPI College of Business. Um, the survey method has been scale questions that are then going to be, the survey is going to be sent um, to international students by their academic advisor to promote uh, responses and to collect the data anonymously. And then some of the examples of questions on the scale are, I'm respected by my peers, I feel like I belong, I feel welcomed um, when forming a group in class, I feel supported by the advising staff and tippy. Um, to kind of gauge the sentiment to see which areas we can really work to address and create more inclusive environments for all students within TIPI. So before this podcast, Erin wanted us to get into groups for this project. And like Ali mentioned, both Hannah, Ali, and I lived in the same home area. So we all sort of gravitated towards each other for the project. Um, and people have the natural tendency to form groups with people that are similar to each other. And David mentioned in the podcast that forming groups was always hard for him since he didn't have a lot of people that he already knew in the class or had connections with. And after hearing for David from David, I realized, and I think we all realized that we had done this even when we were doing a whole project dedicated to the importance of branching out. And at Tippy, there are so many opportunities to branch out and engage with diverse cultures. You don't have to leave Iowa to be able to expand your cultural intelligence. And David makes a great point in the podcast where he says the culture has already come to you. This pod project taught me that you don't have to study abroad to engage with a different culture. You can find it at Tippy. Erin, you're muted. <laughs> You'd think I would be a professional Zoom uh, person by now, but I'm, I'm clearly not. I was just gonna say that I think from my perspective as an instructor, um, th this project exceeded my expectations, to be honest. I, as I reflect on that thread of cultural intelligence that I said wove through my students' uh, coursework over the course of the semester, I mean, I think watching my students develop their podcasts and seeing the shape that the final submissions took, I, I think I learned a lot as well. I think I learned some really valuable things about how to structure my class, how to structure this podcast. Certainly, uh, my students' points about group formation are well taken. Uh, you know, in thinking about how to organize this particular project, I did ask students, I sent students a Qualtrics survey. And of course, I, what I didn't say previously is students did have the option to complete this project either individually or with a group. But I said, okay, if you are gonna complete it in a group, um, are, there, are there people in class that you might be comfortable working with? No promises, but let me know. And so, you know, as, as my, my students have pointed out, certainly students who know other people in the class, uh, because they're all management majors or they're from the same hometown, you know, that is sort of a lever of, of comfort and familiarity that, you know, international students may not have at their disposal. So that was a really good reminder for me as well. But I also think um, from an instructor's perspective, the level of engagement that I had from students with this project start from, from start to finish was really impactful. Um, I think that it was a better class because of that. And 
one thing that I built in to the final exam in a form of a short answer question was a question was only worth six points, six points out of, I don't know, 75 or something. So the question was not worth a lot, but it was a short answer question. And it said, did working on the uh, International Business Podcast Project increase your cultural intel intelligence? If so, on which of those four dimensions do you think it was most impacted and why? And if not, tell me why, right? Six point question. So you're thinking what, like seven or eight sentences? I mean, I literally got pages from my students. And so for me, I thought, well, you know, here's an example, I hope, of a project where students really did feel that it was value added and that they gained something uh, important and impactful that they'll take with them, you know, as they leave my class and move on to other classes at the university or move on to their employment uh, after the University of Iowa. So it is, of course, a, a work in progress and always ways to improve it and make it better. But um, I think that, you know, certainly my, my students experience, they, they did an exemplary job and um, they're a great example of some of the really interesting work and interesting conclusions that can come from this project. But anyway, we're all happy to take any questions comments might have. Thank you so much. Wow, really great. Uh, thanks to all for presenters. Uh, we've now uh, come to the Q&A portion of the program. Uh, so uh, please submit your questions via the chat function. The, the chat button is in the middle of the, that bottom row of icons on the bottom of your viewing screen. Uh, feel free to turn on your video function if you'd like at this time uh, so the um, speakers can see who they're talking with. Uh, but uh, uh, do keep your audio off so we don't have any interference uh, with the, the answers they provide to the to the questions that come in. Uh, while we're waiting for questions uh, via chat, let me uh, just again thank uh, all our ICFRC members and donors for their support. Um, if you would like to join ICFRC or make a gift to support our work, uh, please go to icfrc.org. Thanks very much. Maybe I can start off with a question that struck me just on the, I think the final slide, uh, which is um, a scale question. Uh, can you talk more about the, uh, what you mean by a scale question and, and uh, how that will work on the survey? Yes, yeah, so within Tiffy Senate, uh, they're trying, it's gonna have them like rank in order and then there's gonna be like a number to see like if 10 is like, I agree strongly or one is I disagree. So we can kind of understand um, where students stand within those feelings, how they feel supported within Tippy, how they feel supported within their advisors, um, and then using that data to uh, lead to recommendations for the UPO. Great. Who, who will do the data analysis for the Senate? So Tippy Senate is going to be analyzing the data along with uh, undergraduate program office, hopefully with the support of academic advisors. And then um, the assistant dean of Tippy, uh, Charles Keane, he is who oversees Tippy Senate. So he'll be helping us navigate the data as well. Erin, can you talk about what some of the other uh, uh, projects were uh, that, the that other students in the class tackled? Sure. Um, Let's see, there were, I had a couple of student groups that looked at virtual which is very popular after 
uh, COVID came into play. So several students had actually participated in a virtual study abroad course uh, during their time at Iowa. And so part of their podcast was some individual reflection, as well as interviews with individual other classmates that had taken classes, uh, people who had taught those classes, that type of thing. I had another student whose mom um, owns a pet supply business and recently expanded her um, business manufacturing to, um, to, to China. And so among other things in his podcast, he interviewed his mom um, sort of about what she had had to learn or do differently when she started you know, interacting with various suppliers in China. And that was really interesting too. I mean, I, I would say he was a student who perhaps didn't talk very much in class, but I felt like, you know, the way in which he was able to, you know, craft this really compelling argument and present that to us, I felt like that was a great example, I think, from an instructor's perspective of being able to provide another platform where someone who may not feel comfortable speaking extemporaneously in front of a group of 30 students feels that the ability to create something and edit it and have it be precisely how you want it to appear or hear, or, you know, I'm not getting the words quite right. I, I felt like that that was an advantage for, for his particular situation as well. And I, it was really interesting because we did ask him in the Q&A, you know, okay, at the end of your podcast, did you share this with your mom? And so it, it occurred to me that moving into next, well, this semester, spring 2022, I think one of the things that I'm going to include as, you know, sort of a final component of this exercise, this entire podcast sequence, is to include an assignment where I ask students, play your podcast for someone else, potentially someone you interviewed, but if not, a roommate, a parent, a coworker, something like that, and ask them to get some feedback and reflection in that way. You know, listening to him talk about that gave me the, I guess, another thought about how I can extend this even further, right? I wanted something tangible, shareable, et cetera, but there are other ways that I could, I could build that in as well. Great, great, thanks. Uh, we, we have a, now a question, I think, uh, directed to the student presenters. Um, do you plan on continuing the podcast by creating uh, new episodes? Uh, so the, the insatiable appetite has begun, I guess. Um, Anybody want to tackle that? Is there a way to follow up or uh, continue podcasting? I can answer that. Um, I mean, as of right now, we haven't talked about continuing it, but that actually would be a really cool idea and maybe um, continuing to talk to other international students other than David. Um, I think that that would be really cool. But um, I mean, we haven't posted the podcast anywhere, um, but it would be a really cool idea to continue and talk to different international students. Uh, we also have a question about where uh, students in the Tippy College come from country-wise. That is, how many international students are enrolled, if you, if you know, or just if you have some sense of the uh, diversity of uh, countries they come from. I, you know, I certainly don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. Um, I think there have been some pretty significant enrollment shifts in recent years. So I'm not as able to answer that question as I might have been three or five years ago. Uh, the, the data are out there uh, too. You, uh, 
the International Programs website um, publishes updated information on international students at the university and breaks it down by colleges. Uh, so uh, people who are interested could find out that way. Uh, the next question is um, sort of building off the sense that you had learned lessons uh, that have to do with, uh, with the professors, with the classroom, with administration, et cetera. And it asks, what about uh, a, an organization like ICFRC? Uh, what advice uh, do uh, any of you have uh, for uh, for us uh, as we try to uh, work more closely with uh, people to increase, uh, you know, the sort of cultural intelligence that's out there? Do any of my students want to jump in for that? I think one of the things that is, um, I think, perhaps a challenge is that you know as we we in my class we begin talking about cultural intelligence we talk about those four components of cultural intelligence and i think the one that perhaps has the most impact in getting people in the door is that motivational piece right like it's very very hard to get people who aren't motivated or interested in the topic there and i think one advantage that i have and perhaps you have as well right with the iowa city foreign relations council international business generally people who come are really interested and really passionate about the topic. And I can see, you know, I think my students' presentation is a great example of how I hope, you know, that interest can, can spread, you know, as they take their experiences and what they've learned and connections that they've made back to their student orgs. And we can see, you know, in this example, how this conversation, this initial conversation between Hannah and David, you know, sparked a student org at Iowa or at, in Tippy, right? To get more, um, to really think about this issue more globally, more holistically. And I think it was a benefit for the 28 other students in my class that heard this presentation, heard them reflect on what they learned and perhaps hadn't thought about it in that way. And I mean, I'll say too, from personal experience, I came to the session last Wednesday on the immigrants and refugees and I found it really, really interesting. And, and it's not a topic that I know much about. Um, so I don't think that's a very definitive answer, but perhaps building on you know, the momentum of people who are interested, because I have referenced that particular session to three or four friends and colleagues over the past week. Well, I was set in this really interesting Zoom call about refugees and immigrants. Um, so I think if there's a way that you know, we as educators and professionals can sort of build on um, you know, that, the intrinsic motivation that's there and then hopefully generate excitement other places, that's not a very, uh, defined strategy. My business students probably are like, no, 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 something more specific, but. Uh, the, uh, we, we have a question right along those lines too. Uh, have you considered interviewing community members who represent different international cultures uh, to support growth and cultural intelligence within Johnson County? Yeah, I think that's a great, oh, sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like for the um, podcast, like, we never really talked about doing more about it, but if we like did decide we wanted to keep going, I think it would be interesting to branch out maybe even from Tippy and ask um, just other people, like how have they improved their cultural intelligence? Like it doesn't have to just be about international students from Tippy. Like we could always branch off on that if we decided to keep making more podcasts. I also think, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you can see that there's your your presentation today has created some demand uh, for more podcasts. Uh, so, sorry, Hannah. No, you're good. I was just going to say that 
when speaking with David, he talked a lot about how there are a lot of like different student organizations on campus that are catered to uh, different cultures specifically for people to navigate together if they share common background or experience. And those are great groups, but a lot of students that study here internationally don't deviate away from them. A lot of his friends shy away from joining some of the bigger organizations on campus like Delta Sigma Pi, the professional business fraternity, David joined that as well. And to be Senate, some of the bigger ones, we don't see as big a representation. So I think really reaching out to some of those like cultural specific groups and creating long lasting relationships and ties so that it's more of an authentic connection and students feel comfortable joining some of the bigger organizations on campus if they so choose to. Um, it can start there and then from a community perspective, maybe integrate and talk to community members as well in a similar fashion where there might be some of those smaller, um, more niche groups and how they can kind of create those relationships as a whole with the bigger ones. Thanks. We've got a question asking the students to reflect on uh, how participation in this podcast experience uh, might have changed how you interact with international students on campus or uh, otherwise in your own lives. I would definitely say, um, like speaking to David, just how, like he said, like in groups, he, he feels uncomfortable since he doesn't really know a lot of people in classes and doesn't have like a common ground with people. So I feel like after interviewing him, I have kind of reached out to international students who are in my class, asking them if they wanted to sit by me or if they wanted to do this project together or some stuff like that. Like it's nothing too big, but I feel like just trying to include them too could make the difference for them to stay at Iowa or leave. And I would say as a result of this project, David has become like one of my closest friends. I love just hearing his insights from what it's like studying here, how are things different from abroad. And as I previously touched on, I was a student who was able to study abroad, but I feel I've learned more in my interactions with him and building relationships and understanding his community than I did when I was studied in Italy, sitting next to other American students. So really understanding that I don't have to leave my environment to learn and engage with different students, I think has been the most compelling piece from this podcast for me. Yeah, and um, personally, for some reason, I don't really have um, international students in any of my classes, as far as I know, um, but I've definitely thought a lot more, like, just from taking this class. I'll be in Barcelona over the summer for an internship, so this class has made me um, research more into the culture of Barcelona and other European cities that I plan on visiting, um, just because this class has made me um, kind of realize that I need to have more of a respect for a place if I'm going to visit them. Um, and it's also made me very excited to get to know like people who are native from Barcelona when I'm there this summer. So it's made me a lot more excited. Great. Well, uh, we have come to the time to conclude our program. Um, uh, thanks very much to Dr. Aaron Johnson, Ali Zucker, Grace Nelson, and Hannah Gorslein uh, for, for really uh, a wonderful job of sharing their experience uh, in this project with us and, and the lessons they've learned. Uh, I get to uh, present to our four uh, uh, speakers today virtually uh, the coveted Iowa City Foreign Relations Council mug, and we'll get you an actual physical uh, one of these uh, uh, in the near future.
Uh, ICFRC's next program uh, will be next Wednesday, February 2nd at uh, 12 noon via Zoom. This program will focus on Russia's impending war against Ukraine, three perspectives. Uh, I'll be one of the speakers along with Dr. Sarah Mitchell and Dr. Paul Van Hooft and uh, look forward to seeing people there. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We're adjourned.